So this is the last uh, Sunday of the month, and we like to preach in themes for each month so that we spend a whole four or five weeks focusing on the same topic. So this is our last week focusing on the theme of gather. We've been talking about how the Bible tells us to gather together, the importance of the church gathering together, how just mankind needs to be connected to one another, and it's been a really fun month. So for this last week, we decided and felt inspired to teach on what happens when we gather together to pray. And some of you who all went to the intercession worship night on Friday, were any of you there? Yes, awesome. So we came together and we actually prayed together. So that's what we're gonna look at today. And if you have been a Christian for any amount of time, there's not too much that can be taught on prayer that you don't already know, right? So I'm not, we're not looking to, to give you some formula today that you're like, what, I never knew that, now I'm always gonna want to pray. We're not looking to do that because prayer is something you learn pretty soon after becoming a Christian. And maybe you even learned about even not being a Christian, but like your grandma prayed, so you understood the concept of prayer. We also today are not looking to heap shame and guilt on you, like you need to pray more, and if you're not praying more, you should feel guilty. We're not looking to do that either because shame and guilt never make us feel closer to God. They make you kind of pull away and run away. And so we're not, that's not what today is about. Our goal and what we've been praying for this morning, all week, is that you and I, together as a community, that we would be so encouraged looking at the scriptures and remembering and reminding ourselves, or maybe learning for the first time, that the smallest act can have such a profound change on your life and the life of your community. So that's what we're gonna look at today. Before I start, I forgot to mention, I'm kinda dressed down today, I'm in a t-shirt, because uh, I'm promoting the lovely experience that's happening this Saturday. So, (laughs) if you are a girl, a woman, a girl, 11 years old and up, you are invited to it. It's a free event, so please sign up. Kim will be in the back after service. You get lunch, it's activities, it's a lot of fun. So please come, invite your friends, and we will be there. So I'm gonna start and kind of just give an intro on prayer and my experience with prayer, and then halfway through we're gonna switch, and then David will be the one to focus on the part of what happens when we pray together um, with other people and not just in our private prayer life. So the first thing that we wanna start with and remind ourselves of today is that God hears us. And I know this is such a simple statement, and if you, like I said, if you've been a Christian, you're like, okay, we know this. It's a simple statement, but it's so profound if you really think about what that means. Because if you do believe that God is real, that Christianity is real, and you have a God, an entity that created the universe, the earth, the animals, mankind, the central nervous system, all of that. There's someone out there that could create all of this and make it exist in working perfect order. And Christianity says that that God hears you when you talk to him. That is profound. And if you're not, if you're here today and you're not a Christian because you're just kind of checking out Christianity and you're checking out churches, I realize that that statement is quite a grand statement, and that might seem very odd to, to, to realize that we really believe that there's a God, and it's a God, he is a God who hears us, and he listens to us, but that's what we believe, that's what the scripture tells us, and that's what my experience has shown me. 
So I'm gonna give you, start with a verse that's not even specifically about prayer, but I wanna start here with this foundation because this verse, I think, is one of the craziest verses in the Bible. And this is what it says in Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. The reason why this statement is so wild to me is because if there is a God who created all the things that I just said, The fact that he says, are you burdened? Are you weary? Are you empty? Are you broken? Come to me. Come here. Come be with me. That is such a crazy thing for a God to say. And let me just say that there is no other religion that approaches faith like this. Any other belief system says, fix yourself first, do these things, and when you've done these things or when you've fixed yourself, then you can come towards enlightenment or then you can draw near more spirituality. Christianity is the only religion. It's the only God who claims to say, look, you're broken, you're tired, you're messed up, you're hungry. Come be with me. Come to me first. It's okay. That is a wild amazing thing because listen we don't even want to do that when you throw a party let's say you throw a party and you can only invite you know 25 of your closest friends who are you putting at the bottom of the list the Debbie Downer no one really wants to get that person at your party who's going to bum everybody out because they're just always negative you know you bring out the birthday cake and they're like did you know sugar causes cancer and it's like okay, well, happy birthday, (laughs) we're all gonna die. You know, we don't want that person at our party, so we like kinda, oh, the list is full. But God doesn't do that. God's like, Debbie Downer, come on, come close to me. Come be with me, you cannot eat cake with me. And that is such a wonderful, wild thing about the Christian faith and about what God says to us in approaching him. The other amazing thing about approaching God. In Hebrews it says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. You know what that means? That means we can approach God, not because of us being perfect or sinless, but because of what he did to make us righteous. So for those that might struggle like, okay, I believe that there's a God and I believe that he hears us through all the noise of the universe in my house, I believe he can hear me, but he knows what I did last night or he saw what I did this week and I just can't talk to God, I can't approach him, why would he give me his ear? Listen, this verse and Christianity is founded on the truth that it doesn't matter what you do because we do not approach God because of our goodness because there is nothing good in me and myself. We can approach God with confidence because of what he did and all I have to do is say, God, I accept that you have forgiven me and paid a price for the things that I do wrong. So that's why this verse says you can draw near to God with full assurance. We don't have to cower and be like, but I don't know if he hears us or he's gonna smite me. God, I'm coming to you because you are good and righteous, not because I'm righteous in myself. So that's why we can have the confidence to approach God and trust that he hears us. So let me just share my personal experience with prayer and then um, David will switch with me and get to our four points. But I was raised in a Christian home, so I was uh, blessed enough or lucky enough to 
have been taught about prayer at a young age. So my parents taught me about the importance of prayer. And really, my grandmother really would, would when I would go to her house, she would, we would have long conversations about prayer. And she would just really inspire me that, you know what, God hears you, Aslan. And any time you have a need, just lift it up to him. So I got a journal one year for my ninth birthday, and this is it. I just moved, so I had all the boxes out. So I dug this out. And so I was nine years old, and I got this journal. And I decided, I was like, I'm going to make this a book. Well, I'll write down everything I'm worrying about or any prayer need that we have. I'm going to write it here, and I'll pray over these prayer requests, you know, whenever I pray. And I did that. And so I would go in my room and I would get down in my, I would, for some reason, I would crawl underneath my closet. We had these built-in closets and I would crawl underneath there. Not, you don't have to go in the closet to pray, but when you live in a big family and you share a room with your brother, you can never be alone. So I would crawl in this tiny little space and I would take my book and I would just go through and I was, had whatever different needs. And doing that, being taught to do that, at a young age, changed my perspective and taught me that God does hear me and he might not answer me right away, but he does answer. Because there were prayer requests in there, some of them I prayed for for six months, two years, seven years. And I would pray until I saw it happen. And if you, you can come look through this if you want, there's a lot of spelling errors at the end. But, and then I would write like updates after seven years. My friend's dad became a Christian after praying for, I like marked. And so it taught me something so um, helpful because it wasn't like an instant thing. In this culture, it's so like you order food and you get it right then. You order on Amazon, it comes to your door. We're like this instant culture. And so sometimes when we go to pray, we're like, well, I prayed for that last week and it didn't happen. It's like, I'm so discouraged. Sometimes things take years but God hears us and he does move, maybe differently than we expect. But that was one of the best things my parents could teach me as a child because I would tend to get anxious and worry. And if, so if you're a parent, I encourage you, if you have an anxious child or any child, teach them to pray. Just say, just let's give it to God. He hears us and it brings such peace. So last thing, maybe you weren't raised in a Christian home. Maybe you're like, well, that's nice for you. But I wasn't taught to believe that, so it's very hard for me to believe that prayers get answered, that God's re real. David uh, did not, was not raised as a Christian. He came to faith later in life. And so when we first got married, he was a newer believer. And so he had just started in the, the construction field. He started getting trained uh, doing something different. And so he had a little Honda Civic. So it got to the point where it's like, you really need a truck if you're gonna like do this construction thing and be in this trade. But we had no money. We were newlyweds. We were really young. And so I told him, I'm like, okay, you need a truck so you can keep growing in this field. So let's just pray you get a truck for free. And he was like, what? He didn't laugh at me, but he was like, Aslan, okay, if you want to pray, you get a truck for free, let's do it. So we did. Every night I was like, God, I believe you're gonna, I'm asking for a truck to, and sure enough, a few, I don't remember how long later, my dad approached him. And he's like, hey, I'm getting a new truck. Do you want to get, take my truck for $1? And so he came home that night. And he's like, Aslan, you're never going to believe this. I just got a truck. And it wasn't free, but I got it for $1. And I'm like, that's awesome. But come to, it turns out, I'm like, not good enough because I said free. <laughs> Just kidding. We were happy. I was thankful. But a few months later, even after that, his company bought him a brand new truck outright and made all the payments. So not only did he get an initial truck for $1, the, 
it kept going until we got that free truck. And so the funny thing was, is that for the next several, like he was just like, what? Because he had never really had an experience of praying for something specific and seeing it happen. And so whenever the guys in a small group or someone would come and be like, hey, will you pray for me? He would be like, no, Aslan, come to Aslan. He's like, her prayers get like crazy answered. And so he had me praying for all those people. Just rubber arm. Okay, no. Miracles. But it had nothing to do with me. It's just the power of prayer and believing and not giving up. And so it was really fun to watch uh, that develop in David too because he wasn't raised uh, getting to see that kind of stuff happen. So we're going to switch now. That's an intro to prayer. But David's going to give you four things that we have learned or experienced in praying in community. Because about two years ago, two, almost three years ago, We really felt impressed to encourage our team and to push ourselves to start praying together with other people more, not just in our own prayer life. And so we started an intercession phone call. So every Tuesday, we get on a phone call with whoever from our group can join us, and we just pray together for 30 minutes on our way to work. We've done this for almost three years now. In addition to just saying, you know, during the week, you need to find a time to get together with someone else and pray. And so we've learned some... A lot of things, but four specific things have happened to us in these two years of really making praying together um, something that's um, uh, important in our life. Because prayer doesn't just change a situation, prayer changes you. So not only are you praying for whatever that thing is, but in the process of sticking with it and praying day after day, year after year, it does something to you to be that dedicated in discipline in your prayer life, in your trust in God, in your faith. So David's gonna share those four things with you. I haven't paid for my own personal vehicle since 2001. That's crazy. Hers, on the other hand, we've been paying. We should have prayed for yours. Um, Anyway, uh, we're gonna rapid fire go through some scriptures and acts really quick just to kind of get a general overall theme and, and see something that's going on in scripture. And then we're gonna get more specific with it. But follow me with this. It's Acts chapter one. They all join together constantly in prayer. They being believers, the church, they got together constantly in prayer. Um, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread, and the prayers. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices to God, together to God, and said sovereignly. So there's just this constant, like, they got together, they prayed. When they came together, there were issues to talk about, and not just talk about, but to pray specifically for. Again, they had prayed, they. There's this inclusion, this inclusion of other people involved in prayer. Uh, They prayed and laid their hands on them. Uh, We're gonna get to this scripture a little bit later, but so Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. And I just, there, there are more, I can click through these and just keep going and talking about it, but it's this constant otherness in prayer where it's, it's not like, I'm not trying to say this in a negative sense that corporate prayer is more important than one-on-one prayer with you and God. That is equally important. Neither one are in conflict. They are to be used together by an individual. This person goes to God in prayer and then they come together and pray and they're both very powerful and needed. So what happens when we do gather together to pray? The first thing that we see when we started studying this was it brings God's presence. The, the beautiful thing is, if you're a believer, if you say, I, yeah, I've accepted Christ on the cross, 
we know that God has given to us not only salvation, not only forgiveness of sins, but he has given the Holy Spirit to come and live within us, which is just the most powerful force on earth. Lives inside of you, is a person, and speaks to you and guides you and releases you of things that are binding you. And, and so that goes with you everywhere. So if you ever are like feeling like, you know what, I don't feel like I sense God's presence, doesn't matter if you sense it, he's there. And that will stay through when you don't feel him. And so that's a good thing, and that's a wonderful thing, that everywhere you sit, where you go, where you lie down, where you sleep, God is with you. Amen to that. That is a beautiful promise that we get to have. But he says, this is Jesus, he says, when you do gather together, two or three in my name, I am there with you. And so it's just this it's, it's like a manifestation of his presence in a special way that you can't get one-on-one, -on -one, that you can't just get you in your, own, in your own house if you wanna pray. But when you come together with somebody else linking arms on a subject, he says he enters that space. I don't know about you, but I would like that more in my life. And, and we got to experience that Friday, some of us, right? 17 days of prayer and fasting, and we got to come and, and just enjoy each other's company. And you, we had different rooms that you went and prayed in for different things. And to see everybody's heart just kinda really pour out in front of you is an amazing thing. And then we got to go worship afterwards. So really, really good. The second thing that happens when we pray, when we gather to pray together, is it boosts our faith. And here we have, that's that verse that I was telling you about earlier, Acts chapter 12. 1 through 17. Please, please go read that in your own time because it's one of the funniest stories to me in all of Scripture. Hilarious. Very good things in there, but hilarious in some respects. So I'm going to summarize it. Peter is taken prisoner by Herod at the time. And he, Herod had just killed James, the son of John, and he's on his way to kill another one. He got approval from, from people. Yep, we're going to lop his head off too. And he had... This is St. Peter, the Apostle Peter, in prison. He's gonna die, and Herod had said, I need 12 people to guard him. That's a lot of people to guard one guy, by the way. A little overkill to kill. Um, so he's got that many people guarding him, and I think it's because he's getting paranoid. He's like, we couldn't keep the dead guy in a, in a tomb for three days, and we're not letting another one go, okay? So like, they, they just get too many people involved. And... The church hears this, they gather together hmm, to pray for this issue to see him released from prison and to spare his life. And they're praying, earnest. Imagine somebody to your left or right here getting thrown into prison for their faith. We'd probably show up on the steps of the, the, the police department with, with prayer and other things um, in our hands and we would, you know what I'm saying? Like it would bind us together. And we would come and we would really pray. And so they're doing this. And then God miraculously sends an angel, gets him out of that scenario. He's chained to two people while he's sleeping. And the angel's like, eh, chains fall off, come on. And they gets him out of there, walks him out. And he doesn't even think it's really happening, Peter. So the prayers that are availing, that are happening, he's just like, oh, okay, I thought it was, and then he's out. And then he's, the, the angel leaves and he's like, well, I need to get out of here. And he goes to the house where everybody's praying and he's knocking on the door 
and one person hears the knock on the door, because everybody else is being good Christians, and they're praying, and they're like, yes, Lord, get them out of there, and one girl hears them, and she goes to the door, hears that it's Peter on the other side, gets so excited, she doesn't even invite him in, and then runs back to the prayer meeting, you know, to tell everybody, and Peter's probably outside just going, let me in, you know they're trying to kill me too, I wasn't just in prison, get me out of here, they had 12 guys on me, so he's probably just like knocking on the door, let me in, and she's so excited because God answered their prayers, she's going to say, he did it, Peter's here, he's right outside the door, and you know what their response was? Classic, you're insane. (laughs) Literally, they said, you've lost your mind, read the translation, Go check me against the original language. You're insane. You've lost your marbles. You know? And she's just like, no, he's here. He's here. And so it's funny, but it also shows one thing that's important. If you were to grade them on a scale of one to 10 on how great their faith was, I'd say a one, and that's not a good rating. They didn't believe it. They're sitting there praying, Lord, release him from prison and spare his life. God answers the prayer and they're like, no, it didn't happen, it didn't happen. No, no, that's crazy. For him to answer that, that's insane. It takes very little faith to actually see God come through in your life. That encourages me, I don't know about you, but that encourages me. I didn't believe for a truck. And first of all, there's a whole lot of other things we should be praying about than free trucks. So like, everybody's gonna go home like, I didn't get my free truck this week. Don't do that. It, there's so many other things that we should be praying for. But, but go ahead and pray for that too if you want. Um, but it takes very little faith. But it shows you the power when you do gather together with other people. Even if everybody else has very little faith and we pray, God says, hey, I'm there. And I answer those kinds of prayers. I answer. God says, apparently, if, if his word is true, he says, I answer prayers of little faith. I'll sign up for that. I don't know about you, but I would sign up for that, and I have. But it boosts our faith, especially when we see it happen. We have an example, a beautiful story in this church of uh, somebody who is here today, and I wanna just brag about this person, this beautiful woman here to the, she's wearing the, the Santa Claus hat there. And this is the Beecher family, and Teresa was diagnosed um, a little while back, and when we first heard this information coming in, um, Nick Beecher, who is a part of Aslan and I's group and a part of this church, um, they got the news and they shared that with us so that we could start praying that she would be healed. And uh, I'm gonna t- completely botch the, what this is called, AL, AL amyloidosis. Did I get it? Pretty darn close. She was diagnosed with that, and it's a one to three year life expectancy at diagnose, when you're diagnosed, and the remission rate, just not good news. We began praying, and I I remember being in the room week after week for so many, so many hours poured into just like, God, we, we love this person, we don't want to see this take place in her life. And we, we prayed for the whole family. We prayed for, I mean, just in, in cra- incredible stuff. I mean, it made me, I, I loved you even more. And you, you know, I didn't even have more than one conversation with this woman, but I'm like, I love her. I want her healed. You know, like I started like really feeling like connected to that family. And uh, 
she ended up going to a healing meeting here, and during that prayer meeting, I got a boast about Eric Stagg. Um, he was praying for her, and he said, I believe God can heal you through um, just a miraculous intervention, and I also believe he can heal you through medicine. And let's just pause for a second there. If God created the entire universe and all the chemicals in it, and the minds that are able to mine those chemicals and put them together, how is that God not working through medicine to heal people? I have no problem with that. If you're like, oh, I don't wanna go the medicine route, that's fine, God can heal you miraculously, but he can also do it through medicine. That's a beautiful thing. He gave that doctor, even if he's not a believer, the mind to be able to take what God has made and apply it where it needs to be applied. Thank God for medicine. (laughs) Thank God for good doctors with good brains. Let's get rid of the doctors with bad brains. You know, like, give me the, God, the doctor with good brains. But during, during him praying for, the, for that, they were called during that meeting by experts in the field that ended up getting her to a place where you are free, healed. Yes. Powerful. Go check the story out. It's right over there. Um, the next thing, that prayer, when we gather together and participate in that, it births love. Romans 15, five through six, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had so that with one mind and with one voice you may glorify. With one voice. Prayer binds us together where we're appealing to him and giving him glory and we're praying to him with one voice, with unity. And if there's anything that this world needs more of, it's unity. If there's anything that the church needs now more than ever, it's unity, not division, not, not backbiting against each other. It's, it's, that is such a waste of time when you think about the things that matter that we need to put our minds and our hearts and our feet and our hands to. Let's put those away and focus on what we need to do. And nothing draws hearts together more than prayer with one voice. Beautiful. We're going to have an opportunity to do that a little later on. One of the things that I've discovered by, there's a couple that we pray with every week, same day, same time. We pray with them. They're always on. And it's a phone call that we make, and and we're all on it. I know them better now than I knew in, in probably all the conversations I've had with them over the years because they bear their soul to God right in front of me. And I'm like, I didn't know that you were broken about this issue. Now I'm starting to become broken about that issue. And now I'm wanting to, to pray for them when I'm not even with them. And now they're on my mind. And now I'm like, I really love these people. I want to travel with them. I want to live with them. You know, you just start falling in love with people when you pray together. A beautiful thing. It binds your heart. The other thing um, that it does is it, it makes you fall in love with people who don't even exist yet. You, you start to love faces that you don't even see yet. And here's a few. My wife and I had prayed for years about our daughter or our son or whoever it was, and we started loving this. And so we loved Selah for years before she came about. And because we were with other people praying and praying and constantly believing in the face of disappointment, in the face of rejection, or in the face of just things not happening, and we have the, the Burgoyne son He's here, a product of prayer, people coming together saying, we want these children here. Baby Olive, right there on the bottom, the Ramirez family, she was just dedicated in the first service, and it was just such an incredible 
just physical example of people who just would not give up on praying and their hearts just fell in love with that baby, with that thing that God had placed in their heart. Awesome. That's a good point. I don't care if you don't like it. <laughs> Number four, the fourth thing that we see that happens in prayer, it builds steadfastness. Colossians 1.9 says, so we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. It's easy to kind of get discouraged about your own list of things that you pray about. It's easy to, to start to forget and to neglect it and walk from it. It's easy to do that. But when you pray with other people, there's something that happens to you that makes you go, I don't wanna give up. It, like, I, I might be discouraged about my own list, but this is important over here. And it just does something to your heart and to your soul, and it, it just brings like an adrenaline to the prayer life that you have. You might lose hope for some of the things you're praying for, but it's like you, you just, you pick up where other people are, are in need of that encouragement. Um, we have a couple people in this church who, when we heard about them, the church came together and prayed. Small groups came together and prayed. The church as a whole, this person's family had been praying for years, and there's something special about the whole church getting about a cause. Uh, the, one of these uh, gentlemen, his name is Adam Crust, and if, you, if you're new here, you, you kinda know who he is, let me just tell you, the man that you see today is not the man that we saw about 10 years ago. I remember my wife and I, newly wed, and we're out with friends, and they're telling us about Adam, addicted to drugs, addicted to alcohol. He's, he's on his way to killing himself. Just his life is spiraling out of control. And we came together, uh, specifically Matt DeSalvatore, Rory Swindell, and that group that they were a part of. They said, we don't accept this. They said, we're gonna go to God and we're gonna pray that he is delivered of this, that he would know God and that this life would turn around. And they just day after day after day didn't relent and kept going and kept going. And I remember hearing the news. I remember being with my wife and going, he's, it's all changed. He's a new person. Addictions fell. He, he started pursuing a life of after, going after God. His, everything started turning in his life because God brings good things to those who walk in obedience with him, who accept what he has done for them, and his heart was evidence of that. You could see it on him. His, his face changed, an incredible miracle. Now he's, he's married, he's got kids, and, and, and they're thriving, the addictions are gone. And I'm not saying come to Christ because he's gonna give you all that stuff. If he never gave you any of that stuff, salvation alone is worth it. <laughs> I'm in the game for that one. I'm one and done kind of guy. But if there's more, you know, there is. God is a, an abundant, giving father. And he says, come and ask me. So I'm coming after him, and I'm asking him. There's another man that we had heard of here at the church. And so this is Adam here, the, just to kind of give a face with the name. There's Adam, and then there's Matt, who's the other guy that was talking about him. And Matt prays with his mouth wide open. <laughs> so we got a picture of it. Um, but I love these guys, love them to death. These other two, however, um, I love even more. There's Eric and his brother. Um, I think he has a name, um, but we forgot it, and that's how much we love him. Um, that's Casey on the right, that's Eric on the left. I get them confused 
<laughs> I just did at the, uh, the uh, prayer and worship night. One of them came in to tell me how long my session was, and I was like, oh, that was Eric. And then later they're like, no, that was Casey. I just, I was out of my mind. Um, Casey, when he was 15 years old, became a, a part of my life and, um, and my wife. He joined our group, and we, you know, we started talking, and we, we do Bible studies, and he just started, like, shooting up and just really loving God and, like, pouring into it. And he brought to the table a concern of his over his brother who was doing drugs, dealing drugs. His life was heading the same way that we saw in Adam. And we're just like, again, we go, no. We don't accept this. We don't accept that as the finality of who Eric is. And we began to pray, and our hearts broke. And I remember being in meetings, Casey's just crying over his brother. We're crying. We start, I start loving Eric. And again, I'd only had a couple conversations with him, but my heart was just like, oh, I need this guy to see the breakthrough. And sure enough, days turned into weeks, turned into years, and he, he gave in. He gave in to God. God was on his trail and he heard our prayers and answered them. And I could not be more proud of that man than I am today. An incredible conversion, just complete turn from his old life and ran with it. So much so that he went from destroying his own life and the people around him to, he, to now he's in hospitals seeing people healed and on the road to recovery. That is a miracle. That is good. And I want you to cheer for it right now. <laughs> that is the same Eric who prayed for Teresa. Do you see the importance of not giving up on one person? What that can do, the ripple effect of you just not giving up. There are people here in this church who are not giving up on adoptions when it, day after day they just see, nope, still not happening, not happening. Their loved ones sick, hurting, depressed, on the verge of suicide. We don't give up on people here. We don't give up on people here. Don't give up on people. Do not stop meeting together and appealing to God. Let's stand, we're gonna do one last activity. Just for the record, we had permission to tell those stories, by the way. Everyone's like, dang, they put them on blast. You're next. Yeah, we, you're uh, next. we asked their permission. Uh, and we don't always, if, if you're new here today and that kind of made you feel on the outside because you didn't know those people, this is just something special we did to end this month of talking about our specific community. So it's not always like that. Um, but we're going to end one last minute doing one thing and then we're going to let you go. Sometimes it might, you might kind of wonder like, well, I, I don't even know what to say when I pray. Like, I don't know, I run out of words, or I don't know the right things to say. Well, the amazing thing about the Bible is that it's God's word to us, that it's him speaking to us, but it also can be our words back to him. So you can take any scripture. We just pulled one of the scriptures we used today from the sermon to give this example. And let me just show you really quickly how you can do this. So you can take, so we have may the God who gives endurance and encouragement. Start right there. God, thank you. Thank you that you give me endurance. So you can make it a praise or you can make it a plea. God, please, I need endurance this week. I need to get through this week. And you promise to give me endurance. You promise to encourage me, God. Encourage my husband. Encourage my children. Give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had. God, give me your attitude 
towards my husband, make that my attitude. The way you love my husband, the way you love my children, the way you love my boss, give me that attitude, your attitude towards them.